0: A woohoo! A hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five. But if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey
1: everybody, it's Ken Davenport, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to the Producer's Perspective podcast. You're now listening to a special mini-series, the Producers Perspective podcast live from the pandemic. These are recordings directly from the Facebook Live series I started during the coronavirus pandemic, where every single night I interviewed a Broadway luminary and chatted about what they were going through, how they were dealing with it, and what they expected Broadway and theater to look like when it was all over. So join us for this very special episode of the Producers Perspective podcast live from the pandemic. With the
0: Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com.
1: have a star with us tonight. Let's bring on Alex Brightman right now, the star of Beetlejuice. Alex, tell me, tell everyone where
2: you are right now. I'm in Oklahoma. Um, You're living it out there. Yes. Well, I like the musical. I wanted to see what the place was like. You know, I am doing a ton of writing. Uh, I'm still writing with Drew Gasparini. We've been writing forever, it seems, and it's the best. And he, I, if, if you could, if you're a writer and you want a writing partner, you you have to find one, like similarly how I found Drew, like somebody who is, um, you know, in equal measure, a very good friend to talk to and bounce ideas off of, but also somebody who can say, I don't agree with that. And still, and you can, you can argue and fight and still know at the end of the day, you're friends, but your friendship part doesn't get in the way of your creativity, Mm -hmm. which I think is very interesting. So we're writing, we have, uh, this show, it's kind of a funny story. That's based on the movie and the novel, and we have taken huge next steps with that. We, which I, we, I don't know if we can necessarily announce what the next step is, but it is a next step, and there's a very big workshop uh, around the corner, uh, when, wherever that corner might be. And uh, be no and, uh yeah, who knows? Whatever. I, I'll put it on in my living room if someone will let me. Um, we'll Live
1: if you want to, just let us know.
2: <laughs> okay, great, great. Um, and then you know, I've been working uh, as as funny as I am known to be uh, I, I do tend to write sort of dark, um, plays and, uh, two plays that I've been developing over the last number of years are starting to kind of catch fire a little bit before this uh, virus took, uh, everybody down. Um, and so I've just finished two brand new drafts of that. That's how I mean I've had time. So I knocked out two new drafts of these two plays. One of them is called everything is fine. Um, which is about a family that is dealing with their uh, deceased son's two-year anniversary of his death. Um, And you find out that his death was actually the result of a mass mall murder that he committed. Um, And it's about the idea of escaping an identity you didn't give yourself. The idea of a family, you know, a lot of people talk to the victims in those times. And I thought it was interesting when I researched it that, uh, the kid from Columbine's mom does this Ted has this TED talk, which fascinated me about how she's able to continue to live life even though her son's name is synonymous with Mass Death. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was fascinating. The idea of this, is it ever possible to escape identity um when everybody knows it from something. So I, I wrote this kind of play asking that question. And um the other so you know it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and it's a musical. And no, it's not <laughs> But the other play I wrote is called uh, We Left It Here. And it is about uh, five guys in nearing 40 years old coming home for their sixth friend's funeral uh, and end up at their high school quad, where in senior year they had buried a time capsule in the quad. And they, they dig it up uh, to find everything that they you know had forgotten or imagined would be in there and they remembered. And then sort of in there also is sort of this anonymous uh, information about whether or not somebody did sexually assault a girl in high school, um, and you know, it becomes the question is that I I like to answer questions with with plays, and so the question is sort of, you know, are are all of your friends really friends, or are some of your friends merely accomplices? Is the accomplices as you've kept for a long time? Um, and so you know, it kind of goes this. It sort of becomes very. Uh, it starts out very like a contemporary kind of broy kind of play, and then it kind of like very quickly dives into big language, muddy, bloody, sort of like these guys might have never been friends and that have one awful thing that connects them. And so it is when all this Brett Kavanaugh stuff came out, ironically, it was like, wow, this is exactly the person I'm talking about. Um, this person who believes that this, you know, just because of who they are, they can get away with things. And I thought um, I went to an all boys Jesuit prep high school. And so I saw a lot of this energy. Hmm. And so I wanted to write about this energy that I found fascinating, that was at the school. And, but I also, you know, I wanted to pull back the curtain on people like this and really show them for who they are, which are monsters, um, and not shine any sort of humanizing light on them. It really is a play about five of the worst people I could come up with. Hmm. Um, and so yeah, including me. I'm in. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm represented in the play as sort of uh, you know just to to give some sort of perspective in the play. The eyes of the play are sort of uh, me-ish.
0: So musical
1: or a play about death, a play about monsters. No wonder you're playing Beetlejuice.
2: I I know, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I have a twisted brain for sure. I mean, like it's I some of my favorite stuff is twisted and dark and Stephen King, and so I tend to. I don't ever really get to act that a lot, and Beetlejuice kind of gives me that amazing uh, opportunity to do all the things: comedy mixed with dark, mixed with scary, mixed with uh, you know naughty and X-rated stuff, and like that is one of the things I miss dreadfully about not doing the show is that I don't get to exercise any of those demons, no pun intended, um, nightly. Um, so I'm exercising them in a new way, just through a computer and a, a script and ideas and, um, you know, just stuff for later, like ammo for later.
1: Yeah, that's it's. You found another outlet for it. I mean, it's just what I what I love about your performance. It's just so obvious that you are just having the best time. <laughs> it. Yeah. I, mean, I notice this about School of Rock too. It just you know, is watching you. It's just you, you can you obviously so inhabit those characters. Just love what you do so much and those
2: people. I do. I mean, I think it's. I think it's in ab. I think it. It the new definition of insanity should be like doing a musical but not liking doing it (laughs) because it's always so hard. It's so much work. It typically doesn't pan out the way you want it to. I was in Big Fish and we worked on it like crazy and we had all this love for it and it closed in three months on Broadway. So you could be a lot more unhappy doing a way more lucrative job. Um, I always say that. I'm like, if you are ever complaining about the show that you are in, go work any other job for eight hours and tell me that you don't miss the stage. Yeah. And if you can, and and then maybe perhaps uh, you will find another career. But like you know, I, I I think it's so silly that we get paid to do this thing. We're, Weird Al Yankovic, my agents are going to kill me for saying that. But uh, Weird Al Yankovic has one of my favorite quotes, which is, "People pay me to do the thing I have a compulsion to do anyway," mm-hmm. and that is like exactly how I feel one for one. It's exactly how I feel. So as the listen,
1: I literally will produce shows and they like a check will show up and I'll be like, Oh, right. I forgot, yeah. I forgot that when these things work out, I actually, we get some, we get money for
2: them. Well, I want to do shows because I want to do them. I want to do shows because I want to see them. Like I am, I'm desperate to see Beetlejuice. I hear it's quite good. <laughs> but I don't get to see it. So it's like, you know, it's like the next best thing is to just do it and watch and find other things. And I miss, and as you said, just to tag on that, I miss the people so crazily bad. I, I love everybody. And every cast is different and, Um, that you work with and there are no hierarchies of like good and bad cast. It's just, it's a family. So it's everything. Um, But I desperately miss what I miss the most about this cast, which is specific to this show among others is this is a cast from top to tail comedians. And I am most comfortable around comedians um, because they don't, uh, there's a, there's a lot of ego Um, there's a lot of like grandstanding, but there's a lot of love and a lot of no, there's no offense really being taken in the building. So a lot of people know that like, what we're trying to do is be funny. We're not trying to hurt people. And I love being around people like that because then you can just laugh if something's funny. A lot of people, you know, in in the real world will be offended on behalf of people on be And that's, to me is one of the weirdest things in the world. Um, if, I find something funny, I laugh. Now I can obviously understand when something is also wrong, but at the moment I find something funny, I'm going to laugh. I don't. I'm not going to go. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Or I'm a fan. Now I'm going to write a Twitter post about me being a fan. It's just a waste of energy. Laughing is so much more, fr- uh, you know, fruitful.
1: Yeah. Well, you're you're your, why you have so many fans is you make so many people laugh. Would you ever have thought Beetlejuice would be so popular? And how does it make you feel?
2: I mean, amazing. We we actually didn't know typically from the actual stage. We we felt like we were doing a pretty damn good show because it's you know the live feedback is always great. It's the sort of what John August calls um, I think he calls it refrigerator logic. John August wrote Big Fish, the movie and the book to the musical. And John August called it refrigerator logic, which is like you leave the show and you're like that was amazing, and then you're at home staring at your refrigerator later going that part didn't make sense. And that part didn't make, well, you know, it wasn't really a great show. So I think a lot of that happened um, in DC and maybe in the first parts of Broadway. Um, So we, we, I'm not a dummy. I saw the numbers, I saw the audiences and I was like, I don't know if we're going to run. And then where we turned this corner was the Tony awards. Um, Mm -hmm. And right before that we had, we'd done this like curated version of the opening number a couple of times where we changed the lyrics and we featured stuff that wasn't necessarily in the show and just made it fun and interactive and crazy. And so people got a sense of like, oh, this is what the show's about. And we weren't trying to do an adaptation, you know, up, you know, lowercase adaptation. We were doing an adaptation of a source material. We took it and ran with it. And the Tony Awards happened and we were the most number one. I think we still are the number one streamed Tony performance of that year by a lot. And then the album came out the same week. And the album is what sent this thing over the edge. And so it... And really quickly um, because we wouldn't, I don't know if we'd be having this eviction notice problem if this happened earlier um, because that stop clause thing, which I now alone, now know everything about, I yeah. uh, didn't know anything about it. And now I know everything about, but so I am thrilled. It's it, it, the, the fan base has been unbelievable and um and not in a creepy way, which I so easily could tip that way because it's Beetlejuice and it's a dark source material with a dark lead and sort of like, you know, it's edgy. And so the fans feel like they might want to be edgy back. And they've been so kind and so uh, sweet that it's very surprising. And now it's become normal, which is awesome. Uh,
1: well, let's, let's ask a question that I know is on a lot of your fans' minds. Uh okay any hope of Beetlejuice finding another theater? it? we have any word, you have any inside scoop on what's happening, especially with this going on? Like-
2: so the especially with this going on part is where we get, it gets dicey because, you know, each day we move towards June 6th, which is, was our sort of ev- eviction date, it sort of becomes this question of like, okay, well, next week we're not gonna, um, you know, be in the theater, probably next week after that, we're not gonna be, so it's, you have to look ahead a little bit and look that it's a li- it's starting to become a little odd and a little like scary for people that are in the show. Um I know that there was, you know, there's this rumor floating floating around that Beetlejuice did, you know, sort of shot the moon and 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 found another theater and that rumor has been flying around and I can't really confirm that. And my hope is that maybe we go back to the Winter Garden, but maybe we just reopen the show, like do a full new opening and like, you know, Beetlejuice can you know, again, no pun—pun pun completely intended. Come back from the dead. I love it. Everybody, say it with me: Alex Brightman, Alex Brightman, Alex Brightman. Alex. Why did I just disappeared. <laughs> I do want to say this. It does not uh, uh, weigh lightly on me how many people love our show and how many people love the thing we do and how many people comment on Twitter about you know things I've written, things I've done. A big blanket thank you to everybody who's just been—I don't like saying fans, but a fan. Uh, just being awesome. And so thanks. Alex, thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for
1: being here tonight. Bye Ken, bye everybody. Thanks again for listening to this very special episode of the Producers Perspective Podcast live from the pandemic. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, do us a favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And hey, while you're at it, leave us a big standing ovation review, will ya? And check out my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport for more live stream interviews just like this one. Except on the Facebook page, you can actually see our faces. So check it out at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport. We'll see you there.